Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. What is up, Antioch? I miss you guys, and I love you guys a ton. And hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Andrew. I love you guys, and I want to meet you. My, my wife, Emily, and I are the college pastors here, and it is such a fun job. And hey, I want to say, if, if I haven't met you yet, just because we can't be together in person doesn't mean we can't meet. And I want to meet you. So this is my actual phone number. I'm going to put it on the screen here. And if you need a friend in this season, if you're feeling lonely, if you feel like, man, I just need someone to connect with, I'm serious. Text me, call me. I'd love to connect with you because it can be so easy to feel alone in this season, so easy to feel isolated, but that's not God's plan for you. So reach out to me. Rewind 13 seconds. Find my phone number. Please don't share that online. But seriously, reach out to me. I love you guys, and I don't want you to feel alone in this season. Hey, well, it's such a privilege to be on this team, and I I love our team that I get to work with. And honestly, I'm so honored to get to preach after both Chris and Christy Otts. I mean, what legends. If you missed the last two weeks, then you really missed out. They're such spiritual parents to our church, spiritual parents to our staff, to Emily and I. And honestly, Chris is practically old enough to be my actual dad. Uh, So no, that's not actually true, but I like to take every opportunity I can to remind Chris publicly of his gray hairs that are coming in. So if you have Chris's phone number or you know Chris, shoot him a loving text because I love Chris a ton, love the aughts. No, obviously I'm, I'm kidding, but if you joined us last week, you got to hear Christy kick off our Esther series, and, and it was amazing. Part one of our four-part series dealing with injustice through the book of Esther, and if you didn't get to see Christy's message, you missed out. It, it was incredible, and I would encourage you, go watch it right after this. Go pick it up. Go two churches in a row, because it's going to be powerful, uh, but Something that I took away was that we need to pause. When we're in the midst of it, we need to pause. We need to recenter ourselves and we need to get God's plan going forward. And she talked about the power of the pause that responds to the power of our yes. And man, it was so powerful. So if you missed it, go jump online right after this. Listen to her message because it is a good one. Hey, well, today we're going to continue to dive into the book of Esther. And we're going to be talking about the power of humility in the fight against injustice. And it is going to be a good one. And before we go anywhere else, I want to read a scripture together from Micah 6.8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And speaking of being humbled, have any of you tried to build Ikea furniture? I mean, it is literally, I cannot think of a more frustrating task to do any time of day, any time of week than building Ikea furniture. First off, before I go anywhere else, does anyone else struggle to pronounce the names of Ikea furniture? I mean, it is like such a struggle. And if you lose those instructions, good luck trying to search the name and find them again. I just had a conversation last week with someone who was talking about, I'm trying to buy this furniture that I saw someone else have, but I can't figure out how to spell the name. I can't type it into my computer. It is so frustrating. Like, how am I supposed to pronounce this? Like, Fajal Kingi. I'm, I don't know. If you're Nordic, help me out. But I'm actually thinking about creating a game show 
where you have to like pronounce Ikea names as fast as possible. So comment in the chat below if you think that's a good idea. I could go viral. I could be the next, you know, famous person. So uh, you heard it here first. Uh, but seriously, it's, it's so frustrating how hard it can be, even from the very front page, to start Ikea furniture. But then it's like, okay, forget the name. I, you know, Falk, whatever. I can get past that. I'm just going to look at the pictures. Then you open the pictures and tell me that doesn't make sense. I mean, this guy is kneeling. It looks like in the bed of a truck. Who knows what he's doing? That it can be so frustrating to do Ikea. But honestly, it can be even more hard without this beautiful little booklet. Right? Have you ever tried to build Ikea furniture without looking at the instructions? I have this thing, maybe it's my pride, I don't know what it is, where I try to build Ikea furniture without looking at the instructions. If, if anyone else out there is with me, please just let me know. Because, I mean, always, I'll just start going. And inevitably, every time what happens is I get someplace and I realize either I have to undo almost everything that I just did, or even worse, I finish it and it's not finished. Right? You get to the end, you put all of the pieces together, and you're like, wait, what? It's, it's supposed to look like it is missing two legs? Like, really? Like, I don't, I don't really get that. And it can be so frustrating. But you know what's more frustrating is that almost every time, there's not actually anything missing. All the screws are there, all the wood's there, all the metal pieces are there. But what's missing is just this simple little piece of paper that you chose not to look at, or you chose to leave in the box and it can be so frustrating with just that one little thing missing. And quite honestly, to me, it can feel like fighting for justice feels the same way. It feels like, well, shouldn't we have all the right pieces here? Shouldn't we have everything that fits together? Shouldn't we have everything make sense? But just one little thing is missing, and for some reason, the final product never turns out. It never looks right. And I don't know about you, but I personally feel this way in the fight against injustice. So often I can wake up and see injustice staring me in the face and, and I feel paralyzed. I feel like, ah, oh, I just, I don't know what to do. This week alone, I woke up and, and looked racial injustice in the face. I woke up and I looked sexual injustice in the face. I, I, I woke up and I looked economic injustice in the face. It's all around us and it can be paralyzing to feel like we just don't know what to do. And vulnerably, I, often I wake up and wonder, what am I supposed to do next? Like really, what am I supposed to do to, to fight against injustice? And it can be so hard to fight those hopeless thoughts that run through your mind. But what if the truth is that there's something that we can all do today that will put us in the middle of a great justice revolution? Like what if that really is the truth? And I believe that the answer is in the word of God. I love the word of God so much because in life we have so many questions. We wrestle with things in our minds. We wrestle with things in society and it can be so hard. But the word of God holds the truth to every question we ask, to everything we wrestle with. And, and again, in Micah 6 eight, this is going to kind of be our bookmark passage. It says that the Lord requires us in the fight for justice to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. The word requires us to do justice and to walk in humility. It's not just like one and the other. It's not just one then the other, but it's together that doing justice means to walk in humility. Now, 
If you're like me, which I would assume some of you out there are, it can be really challenging to go to church, even more challenging to hear a preacher online say to you, go walk humbly. The end, right? It's challenging to, for someone to just stand up and say, hey, go do this, go live it out. But that's one of the reasons that I love the book of Esther. I love this study that we're in right now as we're looking through this book at what it looks like to fight injustice in our day. And I absolutely love it because one of the main characters in the book, we see walk in humility in such a way that injustice is wiped out all around him just because he chooses to walk in humility in his life. And today we're going to look deeper into the story of Esther, specifically at the man named Mordecai and what it really means to walk humbly in the fight for justice. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Esther, uh, then you're missing out. As you may have seen from the video that we watched earlier, it is an incredible, mind-blowing story. In my opinion, one of the best written stories in the whole Word of God. It's so entertaining. And it's drama-packed. It's got conspiracy theories. It's got dramatic irony, narcissism, like out the wazoo. It's basically the rubric for every classic you've ever watched, read, or listened to. I mean, it is an incredible story. And as we jump into hearing about Mordecai, there's a few things that I want you to know about him. First is he's a servant to the king of Persia. He works in the king's outer court. He's faithful throughout the book. He's a man who's diligent and does his job well and is faithful in his beliefs. And he's of Jewish descent. And this comes into play very importantly here in just a little bit. One day as he's working, he uncovers a plot. And we'll pick it up in Mordecai's story right here in Esther 2, chapter 21. It says, In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And, the and this came to the knowledge of Mordecai. And he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. And when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows. And it was recorded in the book of Chronicles in the presence of the king. Now, if I were Mordecai, I'd be on top of the world right now. Just saved the king. Esther told him it was me. I made it in his book. Like, I am on top of the world right now. I'm sure he's thinking, I'm going to get a raise after this because I saved the king. If not, maybe I'll make the local newspaper. Worst comes to worst, I get commission when the king publishes his book of Chronicles, right? He is on top of the world. People will know my name. He's living the life. He has just saved the king's life. It's amazing. But then the very next verse that we see, chapter 3, verse 1, says this. After these things, after he saved the king's life, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. Now get this, Mordecai saves the king's life. Saves his life. He's about to be murdered. Saves his life. And then, what does he get in return? Another man is promoted in his place. Another man gets the second highest place in the kingdom. And as if that's not bad enough, his friends now all bow to him. Right? Can you imagine how hard of a place Mordecai has to be in right now? But Mordecai shows us what's meant in Micah 6, that we can't just do justice without walking humbly. And he shows us this. He shows us that to see justice, we have to be willing to walk humbly. And he taught us that humility 
doesn't demand recognition. Now, I don't want to step on too many toes here, but while we're here, I think some of us need to hear that again. To Mordecai, it mattered more that justice was established than for him to get credit for the king's life. It mattered more to him that justice was established than that he would get credit. In fact, nowhere in the following verses, you can read the rest of the book of Esther, nowhere else does Mordecai bring up the story of him saving the king's life. He never demands recognition because to him, it was never about his name. It was about justice being established. And for most of us, that would be an incredible story to be a part of. Like, check the injustice box. I saved a royalty's life. Like, I'm doing good. But that's not the end of Mordecai's story with humility in the face of injustice. In fact, as the story goes, Haman, the very man who was promoted after his heroics, he creates this plot to destroy all of the Jews. And he actually gets King Ahasuerus to sign off on it. Yet again, Mordecai himself, he's a Jew. So he falls into this group of people. But he again is at the right place at the right time, and he hears of the plot. And in the emotion of it all, in the anger that he must feel, knowing that, that this plan has not only, his, 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 what could have been his enemy has not only made this plan to kill his people group, but the king has actually signed off on it. In the anger of all of that, in the, in the confusion that he must feel, Mordecai shows us what it means to walk humbly yet again in the fight for injustice. Let's look at it in Esther 4, verse 1. It says, When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. And he went out into the midst of the city, and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. Mordecai hears of this vile plot that's being sold to all the Persians, that, hey, we're going to kill the Jews, and his heart breaks, and his anger rages, and you know what he does in response? He doesn't storm the, ca- the, the palace. He doesn't run to the king. You know what he does in response? He clothes himself in sackcloth and ashes, and he weeps bitterly before the Lord. I love the imagery of that. He weeps bitterly before the Lord. And Mordecai shows us again the second place of humility. And he shows us that humility does the private work first. The humility mourns injustice. Humility prays with passion. Humility unifies people through lamenting together. And in such a visible generation that we live in, I honestly think it's harder than ever to do this secret work. It's harder than ever to do things in the secret place, to mourn injustice, not for our followers to see, but because something is unjust. To pray, not because we want to do our part, but because something is wrong and we need God to come. Guys, our country, your city, your family, they need you to be a praying person that does the private work first. And it is, it's harder than ever before. It's harder than ever before to do these things for the right motivation, but humility says we're going to do the private work first. We're going to go there first. Now Mordecai showed us two incredible feats. He showed us that humility doesn't demand recognition. And he showed us that humility does private work first. It goes to the heart place first. But I believe that his next act of humility is what all of us need to hear this this weekend. It's what all of us need to hear. This next thing that he does in the fight for injustice. 
Moving forward in the story, Esther gets word that Mordecai has ripped his clothes and, and is mourning with the other Jews and weeping in sackcloth. So she sends messengers to go investigate, say, what, what's going on? And Mordecai reveals this evil plot that Haman's made to Esther. He tells her that, she's, that he's orchestrated this plan to kill all of the Jews. And he says, Esther, you've got to act. You've got to do something. Now, if you were here with us last week, you tuned in with us, then you heard this part of the story in detail. Again, if you missed it, go jump in. It's an incredible message on Esther's own wrestle with her response. It's an incredible part of the story. But finally, we're going to fast forward to where Esther responds here in Esther 4, verses 15 through 17. It says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for, these, uh, for three days or nights. And I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now catch this last verse, so powerful. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Now, to some of us, that may not seem like a big deal if you don't know the story, but you've got to understand that Mordecai is basically Esther's dad. He spent almost two decades raising Esther to be the woman that she is today. And he's faced with a decision. He has to submit to someone else who's younger than him, who's less educated than him, and a woman in a society that's male-driven. But in the face of it all, Mordecai submits, and he teaches us that humility walks in mutual submission and honors each other's ideas. You see, as her elder, he could have stopped her right there and said, actually, Esther, there's a better way. There's a better way to do this. Or, yeah, actually, Esther, you don't realize like how hard it is to rally an entire people group spread across many regions. You don't understand that. Or he could have said, "Hey, hey, Esther, let's just listen to the king. He's been leading a lot longer than you have. Let's just go with his plan. But instead, Mordecai does something revolutionary. He stops and he listens. He listens to Esther's plan. He paused and he listens and he gives all of his energy to rally behind the plan that Esther has laid out. And in these days, it's so hard to wonder, what can I actually do? Like, what can I do today that's going to make a difference? And one practical thing that you can do today to carry the fight for justice is to listen. Now, Trust me when I say this, I do not have all the answers. In fact, I've spent the last couple months struggling with not knowing what to do next, but one thing I have learned is to listen well. It's, I've tried to stop and learn from those around me. Because quite honestly, God has given authority on my life. He's given me places to speak into, truths to be able to speak. But the truth is that there are others whose God-given authority is in this area that he's given people authority to fight against racial injustice. He's given others authority to fight against sexual injustice in our time. I've got friends who God has put it on their heart to fight against the, the injustice with incarceration, but those aren't my authorities. So what can I do? I can listen. Because God has given others wisdom that I can jump into, but I must first listen. And you know what? It may be somebody younger than you. 
Maybe God wants you to, to listen to someone of another race or another cultural background. Maybe it's someone who's actually under you at work, that you're their authority, you're their superior. Maybe it's someone that's less articulate than you. Oh, I could have said that better. Or maybe, get this one, maybe it's actually someone you don't like. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Maybe it's somebody you don't like. But we have to learn, if we really want to see justice, we have to learn to walk humbly. We have to learn to walk humbly. And if we, if we learn to walk humbly, then we'll listen to those around us. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, yeah, but is humility really enough? Like, is that, is that doing enough? I want to go out and I want to, I want to do something. I want to make a difference today. And to that, I would say, look at Mordecai's story. His story isn't just a sermon that I can preach in 30 minutes. It's 70 years. 70 years lived of accumulated fight for justice. It's not just 12 pages that you can read in 20 minutes, but it's 70 years of faithfully living in humility. And guys, because Mordecai lived in humility, because he walked in humility, he saw two incredible resolutions of injustice. He saw the king saved from being murdered. And he saw a people group saved from their doom. Now, I think all of you would say that you want to be a part of a story like Mordecai. I think we all do. All of us would say that we want to be a part of, of seeing justice come. We'd love to play a role in what God is doing. But how many of you are unwilling to be the man who watches his rival get promoted? Or, or are you willing to submit to the plan of your kid cousin who you've looked after for years? How many of you are willing to submit an idea knowing that someone else may get credit for it? Or are willing to hear out the ideas of someone less qualified than you? You see, I think all of us are wondering what this Ikea secret ingredient is. We all want to know where, where's the, the secret thing that if we just found that one thing, the assembly would all make sense, we'd all see justice happen like that. And the truth is there is no secret. God's already given it to us. He's already given it to us. So what can you do? You can do justice and walk humbly. You can do the private work first. You can go pray. You can repent. You can cry. You can mourn. Lament. You can do the private work. You can forsake recognition for the sake of action. Saying it's not about my name, it's about the kingdom moving forward. It's about justice being established, not my name being famous. You can submit, respect, and honor others in the process. Because guys, humility forms the foundation for reformation. That it's the foundation that when we can all agree to walk humbly, that God can build justice on top of that. And it frees God up to move in mighty ways that we could never expect. I want to end our time together by reading a scripture and responding to it here. It's from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Guys, the promise from God is clear. If we'll humble ourselves, 
if we'll pray, if we'll turn from our wicked ways. The truth is that he will heal our land. Now, if you've been around for the last couple months, you've heard Pastor J.D. say, we don't need our country to be fixed. We need our country to be healed. And this scripture portrays that so clearly, and I, and I agree so much that we need humility to release justice in our land. As we wrap up our time together, I just want to take a moment. Don't want to miss a moment after we hear a message like this to just say, good message, let's move on. But I want to take a moment to do what this verse says in 2 Chronicles. To humble ourselves. To pray. To seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Because guys, the promise is that he'll hear us. That he'll forgive us and that he'll heal our land. So just right now, wherever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, with your kids, with your roommates, I wanna just take a moment. Before we rush on with the rest of our day, I wanna take a moment. And just in your own heart, I want you to pray a prayer of humility. Maybe that looks like repentance, saying, God, I admit that I've wanted to get recognition for what I've done. Maybe your act of humility is, is repenting, saying, God, I've, I've posted online just for other people to see me, not because I really want to see you come. We need to pray a prayer of humility. But the beauty is that the promises that will do justice and walk humbly and God's promise is that he'll heal our land there's no better justice than that than the healing of God for our land so just right where you are I want to encourage you pray a prayer of humility but don't stop there ask for his healing ask for him to heal our land Lord, we humble ourselves. Lord, we admit that we've not always come humbly. There's been times we want the credit. There's been times when we don't go private with our work first. There's been times that we don't respect those around us. And Lord, we repent for that. Lord, you promised that if we humble ourselves and repent that you'll heal our land. So God, that's our cry today. Would you heal our land? Lord, every corner of injustice, would humility come in, in your church and would you heal our land? Lord, we believe that you can do it. As we go out today, let's be people who forsake the need for recognition. Let's do the private work first and let's honor those around us. Amen.